Welcome back to another episode of Nothing But Net, presented by Deep Dive Sports. We are back, everybody, and we are now in the playoffs officially for the most exciting time of the season for the NBA, Um, especially with those last couple weeks. Things get a little weird, but now we're in the playoffs. We got through the play-in tournament, um, and the games have been very, very good so far. So uh, I have myself, Evan, on today, along with Nick and David, and... Today, we're just going to hop around and talk about each of the first round series. I'm sure some of them, we will have more to say than others. Um, And we're just going to hop around and talk a little bit about each of them, where they are right now. So uh, I'll ask one of you guys, maybe David, is there a certain series that you want to start with? I'm going to take a look at the Golden State and uh, yeah, the Golden State series. All right, Sacramento Kings, Golden State. Sacramento Kings, yeah. And um, mainly because um, let's see how Golden State plays tonight without uh, Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you got – oh, go ahead. It's like I don't – the fact that he got angry with uh, – what's this? I wrote it down. Uh, Sabinos or – Sabonis, or however you pronounce his last name. Sabonis. Sabonis, Sabonis. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fact that he got angry with Sabonis, totally fine and understandable. Because there's no way Sabonis should have been grabbing for his feet, causing them trip regardless. Now, stepping on his chest as a, <laughs> as a reaction, that is a big no-no. I don't mind him getting angry, maybe getting in his face and shoving the guy as a reaction. Just stepping on a guy's chest for is yeah, no. <laughs> but overall, I think it's I think it'll be uh an aggressive series now. Yeah. So <laughs> when I saw that what I would say was like a stomp, it brought me back to like watching WWE as a kid and just someone just stomping down. <laughs> um on somebody it was it was crazy and uh draymond you know did get suspended for thursday's ninth game he got ejected from the game uh where he did the stomping um so it'll be interesting to see how the warriors respond they are down now 2-0 against the kings and even though the kings were the higher seed uh, i think a lot of people were still picking the warriors in this series so i think it'll be very interesting to see how they respond especially without draymond green um will say that the Warriors were terrible on the road this year and really good at home. So they lost the first two games on the road, so maybe not too crazy, but it is going to be tough for them to respond with Draymond out and especially with how good the Kings players have played, especially in that game two where they, uh, you know, game one, they won by three, game two, they really kind of put them out by double digits. Um, yeah, I mean, so I wanted to shout out specifically um, in game two, Sabonis had a great game, but I wanted to shout out Davion Mitchell um, off the bench for the Kings. He was 
the guy who was really sticking with and guarding Steph Curry a lot of the game. And Steph Curry, you know, still had a good game as he as he always does. I think he had around 26, 28 points. But if you can limit Steph Curry to that, especially in the playoffs, I think you're going to be happy. And Davion Mitchell, who's not much of a shooter, uh, took the open threes and, and made them when it counted. So I was really impressed with his play, uh, specifically in that second game. Have anything you want to add on Kings Warriors at all, Nick? No, no, I just, I mean, I think like you guys said, it's going to be a little chippy. So we'll have a, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see if the Warriors can bounce back at home. They've definitely been better at home than they have on the road. So um, it, it'll be interesting. I think if they can bounce back and win the two at home, I think this will go seven games, but they're going to have to win the seventh one on the road. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it'll be interesting. Yeah. They've not been, as we said, very successful on the road. And the other funny thing I I just remembered that I saw on Twitter uh, right after the Draymond Green suspension was announced, there's something that came out where the Warriors were sending something to the league and they were like, we feel that uh, Sabonis is being way too aggressive in this series. And one of the quotes was specifically that he was using the basketball as a weapon in the series, which... I don't really know what they mean by that. Um, but I think it was funny after, you know, their guy's the one stomping on somebody's chest that then they could go out and complain, uh, you know, about someone else being too aggressive. But um, I think a basketball be used as a weapon. The only way I can think of is like chucking the basketball at someone, but I watched both games, did not see that happen. So not sure what they're trying to say there. I think they're trying to say, you know, Maybe when he's posting up, he's swinging the basketball around, kind of like how people swing elbows sometimes. But I think that's a bit of a stretch. I do have to say the uh, light the beam that happened at the end of the two games in Sacramento and just the atmosphere in Sacramento in general, being their first playoff series since 2006, was insane to see, especially for a smaller market. Um, You know, they are extremely passionate about their team, and it was really cool to be able to, you know, even just on TV, watch those games and fear how, feel how uh, intense that atmosphere was in Sacramento. So we'll see if Golden State brings that similar atmosphere in the next couple of games. And I think their their team will need it <laughs> if they're going to fight back in this series. Also, shout out to Mike Brown for uh, winning, becoming, I think it was like the first unanimous coach of the year. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's huge. Coach of the year, I feel like, is always one that normally has, you know, a couple people kind of splitting the votes. But yeah, I think looking back on our last episode, I'm pretty sure all of us had Mike Brown as coach of the year. So shout out to all of us getting that pick right. Um, but completely unanimous as coach of the year is is kind of crazy. So definitely shout out to him and uh, know we have a soft spot for him, um, you know, going back to his days coaching LeBron and the Cavs. All right, moving on. Um, Nick, is there a certain series you want to talk about? Um, we can go anywhere else. Um, I think the, I think there's two series that are probably going to be super exciting. Um, in the first round, obviously we talked about the Warriors. I think that could potentially be a third one, um, their series, but I think the two that's going to be the most exciting is going to be the Cavs and the Knicks. Um, those two teams look pretty matched. I think the Cavs are dealing with a little bit of like, you know, first time playoff for a lot of those guys on that squad. So they got to turn, they got to turn the, uh, 
turn it on a little bit. But I think my favorite one that I'm going to continue watching is going to be the Lakers and Grizzlies. <laughs> Obviously, like I had them in the Western Conference Finals before all the seeding, you know, ended up where it was. So them being the first round kind of ruins that prediction a little bit. But I still think that this is going to be a super fun matchup. I think you know, Dylan Brooks poking the bear a little bit in LeBron. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how he responds. And it'll be interesting to see how Anthony Davis responds because I think, you know, we're at that point in LeBron's career where like, yes, he can average 30 points during the season. Um, does he want to? Probably not because he wants to save himself for the playoffs. But I think now we got to see how much gas does he actually have left and how much is Anthony Davis going to step up? And then is LeBron going to drop 40 on Dylan Brooks? <laughs> like, I think these are all the things that I want to know. And and going back to L.A., it'll be interesting to see if they can they can take both of those games. So they're up 3-1 going back uh, to Memphis. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a super fun season. It looked it season series. It looks like it's going to be super chippy. And, um, you know, Dylan Brooks is a big talker. So let's see if he can continue to close games because – he definitely closed that game out without Ja Morant. And I think the Grizzlies almost play better without Ja at times, um, which I don't know what that really says, but uh, it'll be interesting to see as it continues to go on once he gets inserted back in the lineup, if they can get continue being hot. Yeah, that series has been electric so far. Um, tied 1-1 right now. Uh, Lakers came out, won the first game. Um in that game late in the I think third quarter, late in the third quarter is when John Morant had that hand injury, um, which kept him out then of game two. So Lakers came out really great in that first game, really aggressive. Um, I think AD played really well on both sides of the ball game one. Lakers came out and win game two. Uh, the Grizzlies came out really aggressive and played really well, like you said, without John Morant. Um, and they came out and, and even the series. So uh, I think that'll be huge. I want to give a shout out uh, another underrated person, but um, Xavier Tillman in game two uh, had kind of the game of his life. The Lakers really weren't uh, guarding him too much. And I want to say he had something like 19 points and 13 rebounds or something like that. And from a guy who, you know, when Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, all those guys are healthy during the regular season, it was iffy, um, you know, from game to game, if, if Xavier Tillman was even going to get minutes. So huge shout out to to him on that. Um, I was yeah, I was just I love to see those guys, especially in the playoffs. You know, those unheralded players come and really show up. I think is awesome. You know, reminds me back to you know Matthew Dellavedova back in 2015. Even though the Cavs lost that series, he kind of made a name for himself. So it's always fun to see in the playoffs who comes out that out of the woodwork that you really didn't expect and makes a difference in the game outside of you know just the stars. I mean, you can't put down Matthew Coffey Delavidova. Hey, he's on the Kings right now too, so he is uh, <laughs> he is feeling good, I'm sure, right now. <laughs> One thing too, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the stats from Game Two uh, and some things that I saw floating around. So, first of all, I think for the Lakers, AD and D'Lo offensively, um, both just their stats in Game Two weren't going to cut it. Combined, they were six for twenty-five from the field. Um, and I found this uh, really interesting and, and I found kind of funny tweet um, from Josh Eberly, who's an NBA reporter. Um, and it says in the three point era, 663 players have taken at least 200 shots in the playoffs. D'Angelo Russell ranks 659th out of 663 in terms of field goal percentage at only 34.5. Um, so not just obviously not just in this series, but 
interesting that D'Angelo Russell, we know he runs hot and cold, but especially in the playoffs, he has not shot the ball well. Um, so I think for the Lakers to really win this series, um, he doesn't have to be lights out, but he's definitely going to have to be better than he was in game two. And another funny and really interesting tweet um, that I saw with, about Rui Hachimura, who had a great game really in both of the two playoff games, is that Rui Hachimura uh, becomes the back becomes the first player off the bench to score 20 points in back-to-back playoff games since Magic Johnson in 1996. So <laughs> didn't think I'd be putting Rui Hachimura and Magic Johnson in the same sentence, but here we are. <laughs> Hey, gotta expect the unexpected sometimes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that series has been super fun. Um, I could definitely see that one, you know, just the back and forth going seven. And honestly, I hope it does go to a longer series just so that we can we can continue to see all the great antics, um, especially with, like you mentioned, Nick, Dylan Brooks saying he poked the bear with LeBron. I think in that same quote, he called him old. And he said, I won't yeah. respect you unless you get 40 points. So in my mind, that's an almost guarantee that LeBron's going to come out and get 40 points next game, but we will see. <laughs> yeah. That's just, I just, it, I don't know. I, I get being competitive, but like, I mean, you've, people have seen him do this before. You know what I mean? Like Dylan Brooks isn't old. He hasn't been in the league for a long time. So he grew up watching basketball he's seen <laughs> lebron get pissed off before why would you like i just I, i'm not i'm not saying like you know kiss up to him but maybe maybe leave it at the trash talk and and don't don't call the man old like he is old. <laughs> i mean he, for basketball since he's old but just disrespectful i don't know yeah. he's still okay. getting it done at his age and a lot of people um yeah. I saw a lot of people comparing Dylan Brooks to be the new Lance Stevenson yeah. of, you know, but... those Pacers teams. And um, those were obviously some great series, but LeBron ultimately came out on top in all of those series. So, uh, you know, we'll see if Dylan Brooks is the new Lance Stevenson or, you know, if he's able to get the upper hand on LeBron. But it'll be very interesting and very entertaining either way. Um, I want to hop. Oh, go ahead, David. surprised if you see Dylan Brooks starting to blow in his ear. <laughs> uh he was i didn't see that but i do i do know he was yelling in his ear several times uh during the game so close enough i suppose um i do want to hop to uh our hometown team and and uh talk about that Cavs nick series also that you mentioned nick um another series right now that's tied one to one um kind of just quick recapping in game one the Cavs really kind of got bullied um by the Knicks in terms of offensive rebounds, especially um, and rebounding in general, especially with the Cavs having Mobley and Allen. Um, they did all right on the rebound game, but Mitchell, or not Mitchell, um, Josh Hart and Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks, Julius Randle at the end of the game, uh, really put in a lot of work um, on the offensive boards and really kind of bullied. And I think the Knicks just played a lot more physical in that first game. And like you said, Nick, I don't know if the Cavs were quite ready for the change in physicality that you see in the playoffs. You see so many things in the playoffs that don't get foul calls that in the regular season would be a foul call every time. <laughs> I just think it's a, it's a mindset thing too. And I said this um, yesterday on a higher verse with Greg, it was like, I think game one, they went into that and they thought, cause they're, they're a young team. I mean, the only person who has like significant playoff experience is, you know, Donovan Mitchell. And then, 
you know, um, that's going to play minutes and then maybe Chetty a little bit, right? So, mm-hmm. like, but ultimately everybody else who's going to get significant mis- minutes is pretty fresh to the playoffs if it's not their first playoff series. So I don't know if a lot of these guys kind of went into it being like, oh, we'll just do our thing and we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But they don't understand that in the playoffs, even teams that were maybe like mid or not that good throughout the season, they're going to turn it up and they're going to be playing their best basketball. They're going to be playing fast, hard, and they're going to be up in your face. And it's going to be a lot different than the regular season because everybody's trying to stretch it out over 82 games. Now nobody cares because they're like, (laughs) we got to get a win every single night if we want to, you know, win a championship. So I think game two, those guys were like, oh, hold on a second. (laughs) And Darius Garland was like, all right, I got you guys. Don't worry. Um, You know, obviously um, Mitchell had a, didn't really have a great game. So if he can have a little bit of a better game, I think they'll fare a little bit better, but their defense definitely looked on par. And I think that's because they, they were like, okay, let's turn that switch on. So let's hope when they go to Madison square garden, now that they can keep that energy up and, um, and, and come out with some wins on their one. On, on yeah. Cause that's going to be the most difficult part about this series is playing at Madison square garden. Yeah. That's going to be huge. That's going to be huge. And I was, I will say after the first game, um, even though it ended up being close, I was I was scared. I was, you know, as a Cavs fan, I was like, man, they they really did not match the physicality of the Knicks. You know, I was worried Darius Garland didn't have a good game in that first game. You know, they had Jetty Osmond guarding Jalen Brunson down in the clutch, which uh, he didn't do a terrible job of, but I wasn't too confident of that matchup going forward. Um, but I will say with the way the Cavs responded in game two, uh, they got much tougher Um they again they they out rebounded the Knicks then coming back kind of flipping the switch on that and I think like you said Nick Darius Garland really responded in a huge way um, and just started taking those three pointers that he wasn't taking in game one started taking more shots was a lot more aggressive and had a huge game I think he had 33 36 points um, something like that and like you said Mitchell didn't have a great scoring game but I was also that also kind of made me more confident going on deeper into the series because he didn't have to have, you know, 30, 40 points for the Cavs to win and to really win comfortably. And he kind of deferred and had 17 assists, which is crazy for Donovan Mitchell, um, which I thought was awesome. Karis LeVert had a great game. We know how up and down he can be. So hoping he can keep that momentum going, but he had a great game really on both sides of the ball um, scoring. And then, really playing a lot of the defense on Jalen Brunson after Okoro got in some quick foul trouble and then kind of just got benched for the rest of the game as he's been struggling offensively. Um, and we even got some minutes from Danny Green, Cavs legend Danny Green, um, and who played well. I mean, he made he made a three. Um, there was another one where he made the three, but he had stepped out of bounds right before it. So he shot the ball well, and he didn't look as out of shape as I thought he might be after, you know, really not playing much since he got to the Cavs and not playing before that at all during the season. So um, I was I was excited to see those. I don't know if I want to keep counting on him to be, you know, the difference maker for the Cavs, but I was really ex- excited to see their response in a big way. And yeah that, yeah, that definitely comes through a lot and definitely great that everyone else stepped up when they needed to. Yeah, absolutely. It was really, I mean, Garland was leading the scoring charge, but it was a whole team win in that second game, which, again, was was really exciting to see. And like you had mentioned, David and Nick, 
going into Madison Square Garden, we know what that atmosphere is going to be like. And uh, interestingly enough, one of the least villain-like people I think of when I think of the NBA, Jared Allen, might be the villain going into Madison Square Garden because he made that, you know, aggressive play trying to get a block at the end of the game. And Randall almost got hurt. And I saw a lot of Knicks fans complaining about that online. So one of, like, the most mild-mannered NBA players possibly being a huge villain in Madison Square Garden, I think will be really funny and interesting to see coming up uh, Friday night for that game. All right. Any other thoughts before we hop to another series on Cavs Knicks? All right. Um, Next one I think might be good to hop to. I think maybe the next most interesting series, as there are a couple um, towards the top in each conference that aren't as interesting, but one that is still tied 1-1 and still really interesting at this point is the Phoenix Suns versus the LA Clippers. Um, this series, like I said, it's tied one to one currently. The Clippers actually were able to win the first game. Um, and mind you, the Clippers don't have Paul George for this entire series, um, as was reported. So they were able to sneak in and, and beat the Suns in game one. And really the reasoning behind that, I thought was an insane, almost robotic like game from Kawhi. He was just making almost every pull-up shot that he took. And then a really weird game from Russell Westbrook where he was terrible offensively. I think he was like three for 19, but he was great defensively and made a huge clutch play at the end of the game where he blocked Devin Booker and then threw it off of Devin Booker out of bounds before he even landed, uh, which kind of sealed the game for for the Clippers. And then the Suns in game two did come back. Uh, it was still a close game, um, but Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and KD kind of stepped up um, Aiton was better on the boards. The Clippers had a lot of offensive boards in game one. And so they came back and, and evened the series up one-to-one. So I know personally for me, I really didn't think the Clippers, especially once Paul George was announced as out for the series, I really didn't think the Clippers had a chance. But now, you know, if Kawhi keeps up his pace, I guess I would just say that anything is possible for the Clippers. We've seen Kawhi kind of lead a team and drag a team to an improbable championship before. So, you know, it could happen again. But I, w- I was very surprised um, to see the Clippers take that first game. And I think looking at how the series has played out so far, it's another one that could be really competitive and go, you know, maybe six, seven games. Uh, did you did you see that they just ruled out Kawhi for game three? I did not see that. Yeah, oh, it, happened, it happened like an hour ago or something like that. That's crazy. So I guess I guess in game one he like um he injured his knee, so he had like knee soreness, and then he played through it in game two, and then uh, now he's gonna sit for game three. Man, that's <laughs> wild. I didn't see that. That'll be huge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we might yeah, have to see a... Russell Westbrook step up. Who knows? <laughs> or DeAndre Ayton. Who knows? Yeah. yeah so. Yeah, that'll be interesting, especially hopefully, um, you know, hoping just for the competitive of the series and for Kawhi's health that it's just that one game that he's out. But uh, that definitely changes changes things big time in, in going into game three for sure. Another thing, too, that I think is interesting is the Suns, that game that they lost in game one, that was their first game that they lost when everyone was playing, you know, all their main four guys was playing since they got KD. And so it'll be interesting to see, you know, they kind of had a little bit of struggles gelling maybe in that game once. It'll be interesting to see, you know, 
you'd think the more they play together, the stronger they'll get. So, you know, maybe if they do have a more competitive series in this first round against the Sun or against the Clippers, you know, it might end up kind of bolstering them and and making them be able to have a better second round series, which will likely be against the Nuggets. And I think, you know, that could be a really interesting one down the line. But don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially since I think this is going to struggle depending on... I think this will still be good series, but with both Kawhi and Paul George out, I think that the Clippers will struggle a little bit. Um, so, yeah, it'll just come down to how well the other guys pick up the slack. That's true. And one thing uh, that the Clippers do have going for them, two things, I guess. Um, they do have a great coach in Ty Lue. Um, championship coach really I think coaches his best basketball in the playoffs he's really good at making adjustments throughout series so that's good for them and if there is one team that's used to playing without their stars it is the Clippers just because of how much you know Paul George and Kawhi Leonard uh, sit throughout the season with load management and things like that so at least they're not in unfamiliar territory in terms of playing without those guys great Anyone have anything else on that series at all? No, I think you set it up pretty perfectly. All right. All right. So another one that we'll be, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on and keeping you updated, um, you know, as the series goes on throughout the next couple episodes. Um, the next couple series are, I don't think as interesting, but um, is there any one out of these series, you know, Bucks, Heat, 76ers, Nets, Celtics, Hawks, Nuggets, Wolves, that either of you guys want to touch on or hit on first? Uh, I think that the Nuggets Wolves are probably at where we probably thought they were going to be at, unless something Mm -hmm. drastic really happens. Um, The only other thing I can think of that would be able of interest in that game is if Rudy Gobert decides to fight another teammate. That's a funny thing to mention, too, because um, they had their game two last night, and it was it was actually kind of a blowout at the beginning of the game, but then got closer on later in the game, and Rudy Gobert got a big foul that he didn't, you know, obviously agree with, and he's kind of running and screaming and yelling at the refs, and then the person who was holding him back and, like, consoling him was literally Kyle Anderson, who he punched, you know, what, a week ago, <laughs> a week and a half ago. So that was an interesting uh, table turn and kind of shows, I guess, how much things can change, you know, in in the playoffs as we've seen. So, the, you... <laughs> <laughs> I was super confused there for a second. I was like, wait, where'd I go? <laughs> <laughs> we are sitting in a line now, just like we're at the coffee shop talking hoops. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, the other thing, um, two things I want to mention just about that series in general. Um, Jamal Murray has really stepped back up. He's starting to look like Jamal Murray from the bubble a couple years back. He had, I think, 40 points last night. Um, and it's going to be tough for the Wolves if – in a game where Anthony Edwards scores 41 like he did last night that they still can't <laughs> that they still can't get a win. So, I do think the Nuggets will probably roll in in 4 or 5 in this series, but 
you know, for them, I think their playoffs really kind of start next round whenever they place, you know, face against the Suns or Clippers. I don't know. I I think people will love staring at this artwork of it. So, <laughs> oh, love to see it. For those at home, we're laughing because I'm messing with the background screen. I didn't even know you could do this. Hold this. We're 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 in paintings right now. Like yeah, we're, yeah, we're paintings in the art gallery. <laughs> yeah, we're paintings in the art gallery. There's so many. There's like a ton of different ones. You can like. I don't know. I can add more custom backgrounds. You can have a custom background for like 25 people, like just be in an auditorium. We you have to get one with us sitting out in the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. That's what know, I was looking thinking. Looking like we're, we're watching the game out there. It's like, there's a movie theater. Here you go. Boom. Oh, you know what's cool? Because I have my, my green screen. It takes my back part away. Oh, it took your guys' back part away. Mm. That's amazing. Sitting at the movie theater. I love Ooh, it. I love nice. it. <laughs> Oh, she can put something. You know on. what I, you know what I love. We've been doing this for what two and a half years now, Nick. <laughs> now discovering this, <laughs> and we know nobody's nobody's ever been like, "Hey, we can change the background on this." <laughs> I mean, I never do either. So <laughs> I wonder, like, there's got to be. A, I wonder if there's like a sports one. Oh, oh, whoa! Hold on a second. I don't know. I just clicked the wrong thing. Anyway, we're like but... that. We're like that newscaster. Who figured out he can zoom in and adjust the <laughs> the weather map? Yeah, the guy who didn't know it was like a touch screen at first yeah. or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. All right, well, we'll leave it on this one. That's good. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, <laughs> anything else you guys want to touch on on that Nuggets Wolves series before we move to one of the other ones? Um, no, I'm just. <sighs> I don't know what the Timberwolves are going to do because they mortgage their future for Rudy Gobert and <laughs> it's not working out. <laughs> so I'm just kind of, I, I think this is a twofold thing. I think the Timberwolves are just going to kind of have to deal with it and try to make it work. And I think the rest of the league is going to look at something like this. And I think the packages for star players or what we think of star players is going to change unless we know it's a for sure thing. But the problem is those for sure all like superstars aren't going to get traded. You know what I mean? Like LeBron and Kevin mm-hmm. Durant and Giannis and Steph, those guys aren't going to get traded. Right. But everybody else that gets traded, they're going to look at that package and be like, okay, maybe let's look at what we <laughs> they gave up for Rudy Gobert and what has happened at this point. And maybe we'll kind of, we'll have to readjust the value at which we give up for people um, because they, they very much gave up, value for Rudy Gobert like he was Kevin Durant you know what I mean like I (laughs) I just it's it's a it's just a baffling thing and he hasn't worked out there and I don't know I don't know what they thought they were getting because I he's not really I mean he can score but he's just never been like a dude that's going to get you 30 a night and Mm. maybe they thought they were just going to get a super solid defender but he's a super lazy defender too so I think he just has always been in the right spot at the right time and I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I think they kind of flubbed on that one, and, mm-hmm. and now they just have a bunch of pieces that don't work well together. So this might be a team that we see sell in the offseason and maybe try to rebuild around Anthony Edwards a little bit. Yeah, it is interesting because they did make this huge move for you know Rudy Gobert, and really if you look back to where they were last season, 
I think they're technically worse. I think there was technically the seventh seed last year um, because they went into the plane and then they faced uh, Memphis last year and actually gave Memphis a good fight in that first round. And now, you know, they lose the first playing game. They do get in, um, you know, over the Pelicans without Zion, but they do get in and then now doesn't really look like they can do much against the Nuggets. And I was watching the game last night too. And I mean, the Wolves offense was just looking terrible. And we've talked about how the Nuggets defense is really not their biggest strong suit. And, you know, the fact that the Wolves off- offense with with big guys like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, who, you know, Jokic has struggled against bigger guys at points on defense. Um, yeah, I mean, they were they were shutting them down. They were they were shutting them down. The Nuggets defense isn't that good. So it'll be interesting, like you said, to see what they do. And I think I, I think I agree with the fact that like trade packages could change. And especially even when you just look at like that trade and you could make an argument right now that Walker Kessler, Kessler, who was kind of a throw in in that trade for the jazz is almost on par with Rudy Gobert this season. Not saying, you know, Rudy's got his three DPO wise and stuff, but just currently you could almost say they're on par and that's not even considering, you know, the five first round picks, the Mike Conley, the Jared Vanderbilt. Um, So it's, it's one that we're probably going to look back on as a pretty, pretty rough trade for the Wolves. But, you know, who knows? Maybe next season comes around, they have some time to gel. And I think it'll be one I could see them selling in the offseason, but I could also see them, you know, giving it more of a chance through the first part of second uh, of next year. And, you know, seeing where they are when they get to the trade deadline next year. Because, you know, the whole team didn't have a whole lot of time to play together. Harlan State Towns was out for a lot of the season. Um, and then, you know, Gobert was in and out towards the end of the year. And so I could definitely see them maybe waiting it out and seeing how they start off next season. But personally, I, I don't think it's, I just think the only problem with with waiting is just, they've tried so long to build around cat. And I just don't think he's a feature guy. I think he's a guy that needs Mm -hmm. to be like the number two guy on a team at, at most, maybe even the number three guy. So like, I think a perfect situation for him would be, you know, maybe in Dallas with Luca, um, a guy that he can play the pick and roll with. He doesn't have to really put so much pressure on himself off offensively. He can, you know, play, he can be a little bit more well-rounded basketball player and let Luca go out there and score, but he can also be a second superstar for Luca in that situation. So like, I don't know if, if I'm Minnesota, I'm kind of looking at what I have, in Anthony Edwards and I'm like I have a super aggressive guy who is kind of like a John Morant type where he can you know get me a ton of points a night I just need to put shooters and defenders around him and you know we could be in a similar situation to what the Grizzlies are in um you're just hoping that he doesn't pull any guns out at the nightclub <laughs> so I think that's uh I don't know so I I think I think Rudy Gobert I would try to see if you can get anything out of him from somebody. And I think you try to sell on cat and see how much you can get out of him. And then going into the off season, you kind of look at that, sign some free, sign some shooting, sign some defense, draft some shooting, draft some defense, just build that team around Anthony Edwards and, and be like, here's, here's the keys to the car, man. Take us to the promised land and, and see what he can do. Cause I mean, they've been letting cat try to do it for years and it, it hasn't worked out. So, and they, they just don't, they don't have the depth anymore. They traded it away. I mean, D'Angelo Russell's gone and, you know, not that he's, 
the best guard in the league, but he's a dude that can get you, you know, 20 and 10 a night if, if he really wants to. So I think that that's, that's a big loss for them in, in that category. So I don't know. It'll definitely be interesting to see what they do going forward. And and they're one of those teams too, that's just okay. Being average. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they're okay making the playoffs and, and being an okay team. And, and I just, I don't know. I just don't think that's going to get them anywhere. Yeah, I agree that long term they gotta really build around Anthony Edwards. He's their he's their guy at this point. They've kind of had their time with Carl Anthony Towns, and I could actually see them, like you said, trying to make a move for for Cat. You know, I like that. I think that Mavericks fit is interesting. Or I could see him, you know, going out to someone like I don't know, like the Hawks or the Hornets or someone that's you know kind of lower down but looking to make a run in the Eastern Conference that needs uh, you know some more offense. Um, I could see that happening, but I think it'll be hard for them to move Rudy Gobert now. And especially like, I feel like we see GMs sometimes when they make a big trade like this and it doesn't work out, they kind of don't want to admit they were wrong in a sense. So I could see them sticking around with, with Gobert and kind of retooling, you know, moving Cat along, maybe retooling some shooting and some defense. Again, seeing where that gets them. Um, but yeah, I don't see them... I don't see it ultimately working out with Cat and Gobert uh, long term. So I think, you know, I think one of them is going to have to be the move. And I see, I see teams being more likely to give up better assets for Carl Anthony Towns at this point than than Rudy Gobert, uh, just because he still has, I think, more of a an upside, especially obviously offensively. Mm-hmm. Moving on into some of these last couple series, um, I guess we'll touch on Bucks Heat next. Uh, that one is tied one to one. The Heat did get a kind of surprise game one win, although kind of looking in the Bucks' recent history, they've kind of lost a lot of game ones in the first round that they weren't supposed to lose. They've lost like they lost to the Raptors a couple of years back. They lost to the Magic a couple of years back. Um, and of course, Giannis did uh, ended up getting hurt in that first game. Um, and then the Bucks had a huge huge response without Giannis in game two. They had 81 points in the first half when Giannis wasn't even playing, um, really blew the heat out. Brooke Lopez, uh, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Connington, all those guys had big games. Um, I think they had like seven, maybe people over double digits. So I don't know. I just see that once Giannis gets back, which I think will be, you know, I heard someone say that they shouldn't bring Giannis back until the heat win a game, another game, which kind of makes sense to me you know they've shown that they can beat the heat without him so you know i would say keep him rested because they're likely going to have a long and and uh you know tough playoff road ahead of them um but yeah i really personally even though it's a tied series i i don't see the heat really having any chance to to pull the upset series wide and, and make a run at things but i'm interested in your guys' thoughts yeah i would uh I would I would worry about Giannis's health more importantly because it's like if they can survive without him, then take care of your star player. Because uh, if they don't need him to play in this first round, then perfect, fine. Get through this first round, have him play the second round, uh, and then play in the finals as well if he get if they get there um because he's too good of a player to risk on a first round yeah 
I agree. And I think like, from what I've seen, everything, you know, X-ray, X-ray rise and everything came back negative on him. So we've seen him play through injuries before, you know, he had that knee injury that he played through when they won the finals. Um, and I don't know how he was making some of the plays he was. So I would agree, you know, if they can continue winning without him, give him some rest. And because ultimately, even in the next round, if they face the Cavs or the Heat or the Knicks, they may not need Giannis to beat the Heat right now, but I think they need Giannis to beat either one of those two teams, whoever comes out um, at that point. And then, of course, we'll need him, you know, if they continue on Eastern Conference Finals Finals. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, but at the same time, like, if if he's healthy and he's good to go, he's got to play. I mean, it's the playoffs. You know what I mean? I think I think just being like, okay, we could we could probably beat the Heat without him doesn't mean you're going to do it. You know what I mean? The that's the true. Heat the Heat aren't a bad squad. So, I think I think that's that's the problem that they're going to run into is like sure you could play that game, but I mean, is that really worth playing because Yes, while the rest of the roster is okay, it's really dependent on Giannis playing really well for them to win games. I mean, if you took Giannis off that roster all season and he didn't play, I don't know if we're talking about as good as a team as they are now. So um, I just think that if he's healthy, he's good to go, he can play. It's the playoffs, man. Go out there and play. This isn't week two of the season, you know, like you're you're trying to win a championship. If if you can go, go. You know, if if there's serious threat to more injury than sure, you know, sit out, make sure you get healthy. Cause you know, you still, have a, he still has a long career ahead of him, but you know, if he's good, he better, he better play, you know, like Anthony Davis has been pretty beat up this playoffs and, and he continues to go out there and play. Cause I think he understands the importance and how much time LeBron really has left. So, and it it's the playoffs. You gotta, unless you're dead or you can't move, you gotta, you gotta play. <laughs> well, that's a good point too. The more that I'm thinking about what you're saying, this is Giannis. And the more I think about it, we've seen him play through injuries. We know he's a tough guy. We know he's a competitor. If he's healthy enough to play, I do think he's going to play. So, um, you know, that's that's a good point now that you say that too. And touching a little bit on the heat, um, they're another one where they're in a weird place going into this offseason. You know, they've they've been competitive, even had that finals run a couple, you know, years back in the bubble. But now it's kind of just like, where do you go from here? You know, you have Jimmy Butler, you have Bam, um, two great players. You have Tyler Hero, although he's he's hurt and I think broke his hand. He's out for the rest of the series. But where can you really it's, – it's one of those teams where it's like, what can you really do without giving those guys a way to really improve your, your prospects long term? Um, so it'll be interesting to see that. And one thing in their favor, at least compared to Minnesota's, I guess Miami's – a much better free agent destination and more likely to get, you know, players to sign there in free agency than Minnesota. Um, but they're another one that I'll be really interested to see, you know, after they likely go out in this first round, what they do to kind of try to, whether it's, uh, you know, reload and, and make, continue to make more runs at it, which I think they probably do, or, you know, maybe they do try to tear things down and rebuild. All right. And then two other series we can touch on quick. Um, the 76ers versus Nets, 76ers are leading this series 2-0, has it not been particularly close. Um, the Nets, I will say they've, they've tried to do what they can against MB. They're sending double teams at him almost every time, but he's either just shooting over it, making the shots or finding the right guy. Um, and, and they're knocking down shots. So 
I don't know if you guys have anything else to add on that, but I think this is another one where Sixers are are probably going to get out of here in four or five. But I do want to commend the Nets, you know, given what their roster is for at least being competitive and, and making it to this point. No, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, the Sixers are a pretty complete team, so I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're going to have a problem, but, you know, anything can happen. So we'll have to see. It really depends on Joel Embiid. And, and James Harden's been not has been playing pretty well. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think somebody's like, oh, he's back to the James Harden of old. And I was like, well, let's look for some <laughs> consistency here. But, you know, I, I do I do think he has stepped up. He understands, you know, what it takes in the playoffs. And and I think uh, if, if they can really rile around their, their MVP there, whether or not he – you know, officially gets it, but um, I, I think if if they can rally around him and and he can stay healthy, they're they're going to go pretty far. Yeah, they've impressed me, and they've looked to me as good as you know I've seen them in terms of being able to make that that push. So, you know, next series, which will likely be against the Celtics, I think will actually be a really good series, and I think you know could go down to six or seven because the Sixers are playing really, really well right now. And we know the Celtics obviously, you know, made the finals last year and have played well again this year. So that'll be interesting. Anything, David, you want to add on that 76ers net series at all? No, I just wasn't. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, essentially it's what you guys covered <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. Sounds good. Sounds good. And then another one we probably won't have a whole lot of commentary on, um, the last series we'll get to is Celtics versus Hawks. Of course, the Hawks got here um, by winning that playing game against the Heat to get to the seven seed. Um, the Celtics do lead the series 2-0. Um, and in my opinion, the Celtics kind of just overmatched the Hawks right now. They, they've they kind of shut Trey Young down uh, defensively. Trey Young has not been able to, to shoot efficiently, which if he's not shooting efficiently, it's going to be really tough for the Hawks to get any sort of uh, consistency and the Hawks have not been able to defend the Celtics and you know Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, even guys like Brogdon and Derek White um, are are kind of streaking them. So I definitely see the Celtics moving on. The Hawks are a team that I do think could improve next year, having a whole season under Quinn Snyder. Um, but any thoughts from you guys on on that series or you know either of those teams going? towards the future uh, after the series ends. Uh, like David's tic-tac uh, towing playing abilities. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> the Hawks are just a disappointment. I just, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I I don't know. I said it before. Is is it, I think I read somewhere where somebody was like, is it time to move on from Trey Young? And I don't know if that's a little bit dramatic, but I just, I think that at some point you have to realize what you have in people and, and either the people around him aren't fitting properly or it's him. You know what I mean? And I don't know yeah. I don't know what you really do about that or what you do with that information. <laughs> but I mean, he's a good player. I, I just I just don't know if he's like I it's hard to explain. I, I think the best way to explain it is like we had a guy in in, in Westbrook, right? Who had an MVP run, average triple double. Like this guy is super ball dominant. He can score a ton of points, but he's not super efficient. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. you have another guard in Steph Curry who is a super a uber efficient player, shoots the three. He can pass again, uber efficient. 
And that's the guards that we're seeing come into the league or guards or, you know, wing players come into the league. So either they're uber efficient, they can shoot the three really well, they can pass, you know, maybe they even play a little bit of defense. They're just uber efficient guys. Or you have guys like who just aren't really that efficient and, you know, they're going to shoot the ball 30 times a night, but they might only make 10 shots (laughs) or they're going to get to the line a bunch. And that's where most of their points come from. And they might not be the greatest from deep from three. You know what I mean? So those are the guys like where we see like John Morant and Trey Young, Um, you know, though, those two guys kind of fit into that category and they're just, they're hard to build a team around because you, you need a bunch of guys to be ready to score when he gives them the ball. But, they're not necessarily trying to give them the ball all the time. So the ball's not really moving. So even though you only have like one superstar, the ball is stuck. And I just think that like you're in a situation, you know, with either of those, those two guys where you're like, how do you really build a team around that? And Westbrook never was able to have success in the playoffs by himself. He could have all the success in the regular season that he wanted, but they were never, never able to do it in, in the postseason. So I don't know. It'd be interesting going forward to see what they do. I don't think they're going to move on from him unless they get like a crazy good package for him. But I just, I think that, you know, the Hawks and the the Grizzlies are, are doomed to the same thing. Like they might have really good records every year, but when it comes to like actually playing fundamental basketball in the playoffs, they're just not going to be able to get it done because those two guys, their game depends on them shooting it 30 times a night and not really being that efficient. And I just think that's, I don't know. That's just unfortunate. And I, I guess, like I said, it's just a disappointment. I like those comparisons that you had of, of Westbrook and Curry for Trey Young. And I I kind of want to throw a, another one in there um, of James Harden, you know, more prime James Harden, where I see Trey Young not saying he's on that level yet. I don't think he's an MVP level scorer or anything like that. But for me, I, I think about what those two guys do when they don't have the ball in their hands, when they're off ball. And the thing that makes Steph Curry so great is he's never standing around. He's running. He's running through screens. Uh, you know, he's running around so that he can catch the ball and shoot open threes. And that's what makes him so efficient a lot of the times. And, you know, part of it comes down to, of course, you know, his teammates and stuff and the system that Steve Kerr runs. But where, on the other hand, James Harden was an extremely efficient scorer, got to the foul line. But you could see when he didn't have the ball in his hands, he wasn't really that interested in what was happening. Um, and he was standing around a lot. And that's where I see Trey Young right now. And so I think the two things that he'll really need to work on for this Hawks team to, you know, have a chance to go, you know, make a big run, not this year, obviously, but, you know, into the future is his off-ball movement, trying to, you know, watch as much Steph Curry film as possible. Um, and Quinn Snyder, I think, will be a good coach for that. He he had some really good offenses in Utah, you know, um, of course, with Donovan Mitchell and and Clarkson and some of those guys. Um, And then I think he's got to put some kind of effort and some kind of work into his defense as well. A similar thing with Steph Curry in that, you know, Steph Curry was never going to be a great defender. But we've seen Steph Curry over the years go from, you know, one of the worst defenders in the league and, and people would be attacking him every time to now he's still not a good defender, but he's putting in the effort. And he's trying and he's getting in passing lanes. And so, you know, if Trey Young can do those things, that was the big comparison coming out of college, right? Was, you know, he could be the next Steph Curry. And right now he's he's missing a few of those elements. But if he can get there and really put in the work, um, 
I'm not saying he'll get to the level of success of Steph Curry, but that's those two things I think are the biggest things he needs to work on to help improve and to have a chance, you know, to to be able to go deep into the playoffs. Because ultimately, I think we saw with Harden and with Westbrook, like we said, that straight up isolation of and and not moving off the ball. Ultimately, it takes a whole team to get to get to you know the finals and to win a championship. And right now, Trangs is not playing at that level. So um, that's what I'd love to see him work on. And I think whether he does those things or not may determine further down the line, you know, if the Hawks end up sticking with him or if they end up, you know, going into a new direction. Yeah, and I mean, I just think it it, it brings a whole new value to a guy like LeBron James, like a dude that can play off ball, he can play on ball, um, he can direct the offense as a point guard, you know what I mean? But he's always mm-hmm. he's always keeping people moving and he's always moving himself. You know, I think a lot of the guys in the league now, even when you talk about like Kevin Durant, like when Kevin Durant gets the ball, it, it kind of stops with Durant. You know, it stops with Booker. It stops with Jason Tatum. You know what I mean? Like these guys aren't really like, they're getting the ball and there's a play drawn up for them. They're not really thinking about much else going on unless there's like somebody that's just, crazy open and they're like oh okay cool i'll pass it over there you know what i mean i'll abandon this play that we were going to do where i was going to get my points and you know i'll I'll pass it but i i just think that it's it's just something that we don't necessarily see in the league as much anymore like when you talk about the warriors are really the only team that had been doing it for a long time outside of you know lebron and but even when lebron and Kyrie were together it was very much an isolation ball kind of team and that's uh something that we're not we weren't used to with him and i think maybe that's why they didn't have as much success also they kind of ran into a juggernaut <laughs> but um, you know but we haven't seen it like with the you know the spurs with you know parker and ginobili yeah. and you know duncan like those guys moved the ball and they were they were un they weren't selfish with it they they knew they were all superstars in their own right but they were comfortable being teammates they were comfortable being players on a basketball team and i think a lot of these superstars or stars coming up in this league they're gonna have to figure that out like trey young john morant uh luca if zion can ever stay healthy jason tatum jalen brown you know so on and so on they're gonna have to figure out how to be team first guys you know i think Giannis has kind of figured it out a little bit um i think he's grown into kind of that where he's like okay I, i know where i fit I know that I need these other guys on my team and I'm going to make sure we all get to eat. So, so I just think that these new guys coming to the league, they're going to have to figure that out. And if they don't, it's going to be, it's just going to be an isolation ball kind of game. And I guess whoever has the best supporting cast will win. And then when LeBron's kids get in the league, they're going to be like, Oh, we just got to pass the ball and play unselfishly. <laughs> like we're just going to win a ton of games. <laughs> so I don't know. It'll be definitely be interesting, but yeah. That it will. Excited to see, you know, with all those young stars, I'm sure there will be definitely some development on their end. So excited to see where they go, you know, heading into the next couple of years. But first and foremost, excited to see how the rest of this first round of the playoffs and beyond will play out here. Um, Right now, of course, for us, we're taking all the good vibes and the good thoughts for the Cavs to continue winning over the Knicks. Um, but feel free if you're if you're listening to this and you have thoughts on the playoffs, definitely drop those down in the comments. We'd love to hear what you all have to say. Maybe if we have some Knicks fans listening, you can drop some trash talk. We'll we'll do some friendly banter back and forth with you if you want as well. Um, but next time we'll be back again in a, in a couple of weeks here to talk 
even more about where the playoffs are at that point. Um, but until then, thank you all for listening. And this has been Nothing But Net presented by Deep Dive Sports. Thank you for listening to another Deep Dive Sports show. Make sure to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow our YouTube channel for more amazing content. Lastly, make sure you leave us a comment. We love hearing what you have to say. And as always, until next time, Deep Dive Sports listeners. 